Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith Parrish. I've got Trey Kirby coming up in just a few minutes. We talk about the Hawks, Raptors, and Bulls, and also some spicy breakfast on Thursday night in the NBA. The Portland Trailblazers lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers despite Damian Lillard scoring 50 points. Dame was questionable for this game with a sore ankle, but he ended up having the 15th 50-point game of this NBA season. Last season, there were only 19 50-point games with the halfway point already have 15. But despite all those points, the Cavaliers pulled it out. Portland has now lost five straight. They've lost nine of 11. Seven of those 11 games were on the road. They lost them all. They are two and two at home during that stretch. Portland's next opponent is the Mavericks, who they will host on a back-to-back this weekend. The Mavericks on Thursday night, played a double overtime game. They beat the Los Angeles Lakers. I will admit, I went to bed at the end of the first overtime. I woke up on Friday, found out that the Mavericks took care of business. Luka Doncic played 53 minutes. Luka, yeah, he got a 30-point triple-double, but he played 53 minutes. He doesn't normally even play back-to-backs, so... Seems like he's going to sit out at least one of those games against the Trailblazers this weekend. Also on Thursday, which was a weirdly loaded NBA slate, the Thunder whipped up on the Sixers and looked downright good. Shea Gilgis-Alexander wildly outplaying James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. Over the last two weeks in the NBA, the top five teams in net rating are the Nets, the Nuggets, the Celtics, the Grizzlies, and the Thunder. Could the Thunder actually be buyers at the trade deadline? No, I doubt it, but it sure would be fun. Anyways, sort of speaking of the Grizzlies, don't miss it next Friday 
as we host a Grizzlies watch party in Nashville. It's a Grizzlies watch party slash fast break breakfast listener meetup. We'll be at Nobles Beer Hall on Friday, January 20th at 9 p.m. for Lakers Grizzlies. We'll be giving away Grizzlies prizes. Going to give away a couple of fast break breakfast shirts. So don't miss it. If you're anywhere near Middle Tennessee, even if you're not, drive in. Come to the Grizzlies Watch Party at Nobles Beer Hall next Friday, January 20th at 9 p.m. All right. Now, let's talk with Trey Kirby. Joined right now by Trey Kirby, podcasting pioneer, beard man extraordinaire. Uh, Trey, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm doing great. For you to compliment my beard... For you to compliment the podcast, it's all good, man. Um, I love it. Having a great time. Do you ever feel? Do you ever feel like you don't want to be reduced to just a couple of descriptors, like uh, we, like Trey? Oh, oh yeah, podcaster, beard tall. Because sometimes I get that where it's like, oh Keith, yeah, tall beard guy. Like, oh well, uh, there's more. There's depths to me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I agree from that standpoint. You wanna you wanna get to the depth of it, but. It's nice to have a signature. It's nice to have a calling card, you know. There's part of there's that part of it too. So I go I go in and out beard. Um, I mean I my wife gets very tired of the beard. I I personally don't. So every now and then I I give in, and and I, I go back down. And back when I used to go places, I don't go places so much anymore. I've realized. But it used to be if you had that signifier, people remembered you. It'd be oh hey beard guy. But then when you shaved, you're not you're no longer getting your burrito for half off. You're no longer getting whatever it is. They like they don't remember you. They're like, wait a minute, do I know you? They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm tall beard guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, man? You know, so that's a great point. It is such a signifier. It's been about eight years for me since I've been clean shaven. Oh. Uh, so there are a lot of people who I'm very close with now. My kids mostly right. who have no idea what my face looks like. So I can't even imagine what it would be like at a place where I'm a regular. I just stroll in. They're like, that's just some pasty face, dude. You need, you need to, for the sake of content, you need to shave down in front of your children and just record their faces. Just to be- I've got a plan. Don't do worry, I've like got it? a plan. It's been eight years of pure beard and I have an end date. They're going to be seeing <laughs> these cheeks in not too long. One of my kids is always asking, dad, what's your chin look like? You'll see someday. <laughs> what, what, if it, what if they hate it? What if they hate the way you're? I know it's a risk. It's a risk. <laughs> <laughs> it's a risk. Luckily, they're too young to move out, though. I was thinking about this. Um, you came up in conversation. We were saying nice things about you, but we were talking about the the moments where you you had some you did some sideline reporting on like the NBA games, and I was thinking, has anyone else done that with a beard? Like did, back in the seventies, did someone have a beard on the side? That was like Craig Sager booking a huge beard at one point in his life. I don't know. Actually, I don't know the answer to the question. Uh, but it, right now, it's t- it's typically no no beards allowed zone. Well, that's interesting that you say that. I think uh, I mean certainly in the hairier days, in the seventies, <laughs> yeah. surely somebody had a beard on you the sideline think. way back when. But yeah, you're right. I mean, when I had my when I was doing sideline stuff, it was maybe 2016 or 17. Not a lot of beards, but nowadays no. everybody has a beard. It uh-huh. used to be a unique thing to have a beard. Uh, I know some I mean, people like, have like maybe not, not maybe not a heavy beard, beard but I'm like a, little, heavy beard. a stubble, that kind yeah. of thing. Okay. It's a hairier time right now that we're living in. I it think is. we're all better for it. We're moving back to a hairier time. That's um, right. 
as a podcast pioneer that you are and as a beard man, one of the main things that we need to talk about, obviously, is um, your breakfast, which you tried a breakfast recently that I was very curious about. I have not experimented yet with it. You apparently have partook in the Cinefuego Toast Crunch. Uh, what was that like? This is a spicy cinnamon toast crunch version. Yeah, first and foremost, uh, I'm just happy to have tried it. For me, <laughs> the cinnamon toast crunch brand is equivalent to a Taco Bell or a Reese's, where they're just such innovators in the space. That anytime they put out a specialty product, I got to try it. I remember yeah. they had a chocolate toast crunch once upon a time. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Cinefuego Toast Crunch is not chocolate toast crunch. It's a great experiment. It's interesting. Uh, you will have grown as a person if you tried it, just because it's something you're not expecting. A spicy cereal, who does that? It tastes is like it, was it more of like is, a, is there any savory element to it? Or is it all the sweetness? Because I I think cinnamon toast crunch, I think sugar cereal. Yes. And when you go spice, you're like, oh, this is going to be more complex. So what kind of spice are we talking about? I was expecting somewhere in between there, like a little bit of savory to it. But rather than a savoriness, I thought the fuego, the spice yeah. of it was similar <laughs> to a red hot candy, you know, like like a cinnamon hard oh, no. candy where it's just like all you're tasting is there's a sense of hotness in my mouth. Um, yeah. That was a curveball for me because I was expecting it to be like a spicy, sweet sort of taste. Yeah. And it was just like a you had a lot of cinnamon in your mouth for a minute. I don't right there. like the idea of the red hot candy being added to my cinnamon toast. That actually exactly. makes my stomach turn Exactly. Away. It was not what I was expecting at all. I thought it was a little bit better. I had I had a bowl with milk because I was like, I right. think that's how it's planned to be. Well, I mean, cinnamon toast crunch milk is famous. Delicious. Yeah, it's iconic. Yeah. Um, so I thought that's how I got to try it. Yeah, it was it was weird. It was weird <laughs> to have red hot candies in your cereal. Um, but then I had it as, you know, dry, just a little bit of a snack. Yeah. And I thought it was a better product in that way. And, you know, they send it as a bag. Also, at that point, you were mentally prepared. I think that point you would already true. had the experience. You're like, I know what I'm dealing with now. Uh, yeah, my tongue was ready. <laughs> Okay. I, um, I don't, I'm not going to call out an overwhelmingly positive review. Um, it is, I guess, important to branch out. When you talk about the brand strength of a cinnamon toast crunch, it almost makes me wonder, like there's a risk when you slap your, your label on something and it leaves you underwhelmed. I think a lot about some candies where I consider Starburst to be iconic. And then they come up with Starburst jelly beans. You're like, whoa, these are incredible. You, you did it again, Starburst. And now they, they keep innovating, if you will. Uh, I would call it diluting the brand. Uh, I've had some Starburst things where I'm like, you put your name on this? Starburst <laughs> mini shoes? Sure? They're not individually wrapped? These are gross. What like, what are you doing, Starburst? It's a risk. Uh, there's, you're always going to miss eventually. You just got to hope you have way more hits. That's right. Uh, that's a good That's a good basketball segue. Uh, you're always going to miss. You just got to keep shooting. As long yeah. as they let you, uh, you got to keep uh, Dylan Brooks, put the ball up on the rim and, <laughs> and let your stuff happen. No, uh, basketball-wise, I, I want to ask you, since I feel like you have, you have loose connections to three teams that I find very quizzical. There are the Bulls, who you're, you're a fan of. There are the Raptors, who you're sort of an adopted fan because your connection with your with your buddies over on the starters and uh, no dunks, and then uh, and then the Hawks, like you get to see the Hawks up close. These are teams that confound me. 
I thought I thought the Hawks would be pretty good. I thought the Raptors would be very good. I didn't know what to make of the Bulls. And now, as we are basically halfway through the season, I actually don't know what to make of any of the teams. So I, let's start here. Can you? I just want you to rank the teams, not in how good they are, just about how weird they are. You can use whatever parameters you want. This is like the NBA Clutch Award. There are no rules. Just make it up. Um, what, All vibes. What, yeah, vibes-wise, uh, how weird are these teams? Let's go with most weird to least weird. All right. You're right. I do have uh, strange connections to all these teams as a Bulls fan here in Atlanta. The the Raptors are an adopted home team for me, like you're saying, and they're all really going through it this year. It feels like the same conversation about all three of these teams at certain times. But if I'm ranking them, I think the Hawks are the weirdest team, followed by the Raptors, followed by the Bulls. All right. Defend your choice of what makes the Hawks to you the weirdest of these three teams. The Hawks to me feel first and foremost, probably the most disappointing. They just made a huge trade for DeJounte Murray over the summer after a disappointing season in 2020, 21-22, right? They were just coming off a conference finals appearance. They were hoping to run things back and that the continuity would help. It didn't go well. So then they made a whole bunch of moves in the offseason, traded away a bunch of the future, And it was an even bigger disappointment to start the year, I do believe, than it was last season. We've seen Travis Schlenk take a different job in the organization now. Landry Fields is now in charge of things. Kyle Korver just got a promotion as well. There are questions about how long the coach will be around. There are questions about the players being around. Uh, Obviously, there's tension between Trey Young and Nate McMillan. And even on the court, Trey Young is having an incredibly weird season shooting like 42%, under 30 from three, not taking even a ton of threes. Everything about the Hawks doesn't seem to make sense, and they just feel like a team that needs some kind of a shakeup. It has been just question mark after question mark, basically since they made the conference finals. Yeah, I think added to the weirdness, or definitely amplifying the weirdness, is this story that I think came out today at Sam Amick over the Athletic. is like, yeah, they traded for DeJounte Murray because the owner's son wanted to do that like the owner's son maybe made the call uh and it wasn't travis schlink uh with with final say that's always not great that's why i'm glad robert para has no offspring um i like it it's important <laughs> for your it's important for your friend when you're ranking Competitive that. advantage for honestly sure. the, I, I don't even know that it to be a fact i should probably google that before i say that but it's i think it's important for your ownership you know it's always good if you don't have maybe uh an offspring who wants to also maybe run a team one day himself that story is one of those where you're like oh man i feel for the people who cheer for the Hawks or a team where it's like, oh, wait, the GM didn't have the final call or the president of basketball operations didn't have the final call. Someone else is pulling the strings. Yeah, that can't be good. Uh, You know, usually it's later in life that the offspring get involved in decision making, but start them early. No, train them up young, I suppose. But uh, yeah, you never... Uh, I don't know. That's uh, that's disappointing to hear because there was such positive of momentum after the conference finals appearance to the fact where Schlenk decided just we're going to run things back and was regretting it publicly within a month of the season starting. And it feels like it has just been like that since now it feels even more so who's really in charge right now yeah. and what direction should they be going? One of the weirder things for me also is like my initial impressions of the Hawks this season were really positive where I was like, hey, how's DeJounte Murray and Trey Young going to work out? And then I was like, oh, 
it's awesome. DeJounte Murray is is able to play like off the ball and they're sharing they're, they're they're sharing the court. Both guys are still like performing well. And then it's like, oh, compare this trade to the Gobert trade. They made out like bandits, you know, in getting DeJounte Murray in the door. But then now it's all kind of falling apart. And again, like you said, the shooting numbers, where it's like, I don't know what to do with the fact that Trey Young is, you know, so uh, is it harm? I don't know, is it harmful that you know, when your main guy who has the ball that much is shooting that poorly, when you're like, yeah, you're one of like three guys under 30% from threes who take as many threes as you do. Um, and even like all-star conversations, like how do you, how do you think Trey stacks up as far as like even an all-star berth this season with like, I mean, it's really competitive to make an all-star spot. We did ours this week and it's like, all right, we're talking about James Harden. Should we even talk about like DeJounte Murray? Like, like, I don't, I don't know where Trey even, like gets in or even like over a DeMar DeRozan or, or whoever. It's going to be a tight field. Uh, no doubt about it, but Trey young for as bad as he shot the ball and the drama that he may be involved in 28 and 10. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's actually incredible how productive he's been when the two shots he's struggling with the most are floaters and three pointers. And it feels like he only takes floaters and three pointers. Uh, I don't know how it adds up to averaging what he has been. It doesn't feel like the chemistry is necessarily there. John Collins has obviously been in trade rumors for season after season. I'm sure that wears on people. I think Trey will likely be an all-star though. He is putting up big counting stats. He does have the pedigree of being a two-time all-star already. And, you know, for as disappointing as the Hawks have been, they're still in the mix for making a postseason appearance right now. That's right. And another guy he's competing with, like Jalen Brunson and Jalen Brown, even. It's so competitive. I remember we did it. We we were arguing basically between Trey and all these other guards. And it feels weird when you say, like, you assume Trey's normally an automatic in. Um, You picked picked the Bulls as the least weird. Let's now rank these three teams by uh, which ones are going to do something maybe brash or bold? Like, uh, is it just the Hawks that have to do something? Um, which one of these teams do you think is going to be the most active trying to change their fortunes at the trade deadline? I think that the league wants it to be the Bulls. That's what it feels like <laughs> to me because every report ends up being teams are closely monitoring Zach yeah. Levine. What's yeah. he up to? I mean, he's balling right now. Understandable. He's on a long contract that just started this year. But I think compared to a month ago, Maybe now you can talk yourself into saying, oh, that actually looks like an okay deal if he's going to be a 50% three-point shooter for the rest of this contract. Not likely. Uh, The thing with the Bulls to me is that this is the second full season of this iteration after a really tough time following the Jimmy Butler trade. Uh, So I don't necessarily know that the front office would have the stomach for going further back after just a year in the playoffs, they went five years without a playoff game, got two of them, both blowouts. And now they're going to give that away for the foreseeable future after just signing Billy Donovan to an extension. I think it's more so teams trying to poach the Bulls best players because they might look better in other situations. The Raptors are a little bit more interesting to me just because they also have a lot of pieces that a lot of other teams would like. You wonder about the differing timelines. You have Fred Van Vliet's contract coming to an end and him not signing an extension before the season. They feel more ready for a change to me and more able to make a change to me. But also, Masai Ujiri doesn't always shake things up. And he's usually pretty 
playing things pretty close to the best with regards to the, the guys he's drafted and scouted. He usually keeps around. So we'll see. I mean, both of those teams, it feels like the conversation has been the complete same. Like, is it time to blow it up? The Bulls don't really have anything to blow up. And right. this is the end of the era for the Raptors. It's sort of what it feels like. From from an outsider, just being armchair GM, fantasy basketball, or fantasy uh, just GM, the, the, the difference between the Bulls and the Raptors to me is like, I feel like the Raptors, if I try to project out like four or five years, I'm like, do I still want OG Ananobi in five years? Well, certainly yes. Do I still want Pascal Siakam in four to five years? Probably yes. Um, and then when you flip it to the Bulls, you're like, well, Levine's on a really hot streak, which could be very, very convenient right now. He had some weirdness with his injury. I mean, he's had an injury history, unfortunately. And then the beginning of the year, like he missed some of the opening games and then was every other game. And, you know, and then you you project his contract out. Like you said, it, it just kicked in. And I'm thinking, wait, do I want this guy for sure on my team in four or five years? To me, that future's murkier. So again, as an outsider with no skin in the game, I'm like, yeah, I'd probably trade Levine if I could get something. But the Bulls are in a weird spot where like they're they're competitive but not elite, and that's kind of what all these teams are in now. Where the NBA historically, or at least the past 20 years, has been don't be in the middle. You know, <laughs> like if you're not going for it, you try to tear down. But I, again, I, there's no clear path forward for any of these teams in my mind because like you're so limited by the salary matching rules. Who's going to pony up a lot for a Zach Levine, even if the franchise decided? They wanted to, to to move it, so it's 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 in a quandary. It feels like the Hawks are the easiest team to make a deal. They've been apparently dangling John huh. Collins for ever, which is like, why don't you like this guy? That's always the weird thing. Where like, why he seems good, but is there is there is there a mystery to why the Hawks never seem happy with John Collins on the roster? At least that's again my perception. I think you're exactly right. I think he's just looked at as good. Right. Yeah. He's just a, he's a really good player. He's done basically everything the Hawks have asked him to do. He was a pick and roll alley-oop dunker kind of guy when he started his career, eventually stretched it out to the three point line. When they were in the conference finals, he was a defense first player. It was a contract year, maybe not a coincidence, <laughs> uh, but now he is the third guy and third guy is really tough to be. And he's not looked good as a third guy and doesn't seem to be understanding where his shots are coming from. So I think that since Collins has been around, there's been a, a feeling that they can upgrade that position, even though he's a good player. You know, he's always been kind of this guy could make his first all-star team. That seemed to be his ceiling. And now I think with the team struggling with a couple of years of disappointment and with Collins on a big deal right now, I think that's the player that has the most trade potential for the Hawks. Cause if you're a team like the Nets, you could talk yourself into John Collins having yeah. size and three point shooting. And you know, if you're a winning team, if you're a team with championship aspirations, you look at a guy that has produced in the playoffs, done the right stuff in the playoffs. Maybe he fits better in our scenario. What if these teams got together and compared notes and worked out a trade triangle where like a, a like a, I'm talking a big three-way deal are we maybe like Levine to the Hawks, Trey to the Raptors, and Pascal to the Bulls? I mean, is that is it is that a win-win-win? Or are we just shuffling things around? Does anyone here's the real question? Does anyone improve? Does anyone is it just is that just status quo? Uh, I mean, okay. Well, I think Pascal's way to better the Raptors. Than Zach I Levine. think Trey Young to the Raptors, they would get the best. Yeah. But if they're because losing Levine, I don't know, yeah. They're losing well, right. Siakam, but they're getting uh, ball handling and shooting and yeah. an offense in Trey Young, which is something that they've been 
missing. They still wouldn't have anybody over six foot nine. They would get even smaller, which might be a problem. But yeah, that's, that's I think true. I mean they're they're getting the best player out of that. Uh Siakam would be nice on the Bulls. I would love to see, you know, a six foot nine guy who can do stuff out there in Chicago. Oh, you how wait, how old is uh is Pat Williams? Pat Williams? He's like uh, I just noticed he was like top twenty in three point percentage, and I was mildly surprised. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's so, been like forty five percent over the past month or something like that. I think he's like forty two percent on the awesome. season. He, yeah, he just doesn't take a lot of them. Yeah, uh, not a super aggressive player. So uh, it sounds like you're not as moved by the three way deal. Are we uh, maybe there's just some 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 pieces we just got to figure them out. Maybe maybe Collins get Collins involved. Can Collins go to the Raptors if they're losing Siakam? I don't know. They want to Gary Trent, you know, a very Gary Trent's impressive. a player on the move. It feels like he would be great on the bulls. If you're giving up Levine, it seems like. I think that they should figure out a way to just combine these three teams. Like there's one good team. If you combine the Hawks, the oh, Bulls, there's and the at Raptors. least two good teams. If you combine them, there's probably two good teams. <laughs> you're right. There's like the perfect mix of players, but they're all just loaded onto the wrong teams. It's like the bulls have a bunch of really good guards. The Raptors right. have a real, bunch of really good wings. The Hawks yeah. have a bunch of good guards. I like. We gotta oh, we gotta mix right. it up somehow. Yeah, we can all agree at least uh, Capella is uh, overrated. That's all I wanted to do at the end. No, I I'm. Oh, <laughs> see, see if you if you came to Atlanta, you'd be thinking Clint Capella is underrated at this point. Oh, They're really? getting crushed on the glass since Capella's been out. Here, here's here's why I lashed out angrily for no reason at Clint Capella. I am, I've gotten very defensive about all these player ranking things, and I shouldn't. And Steven Adams is listed nowhere on any player ranking like list ever. They're like, oh, Steven Adams missed out again. And it's like, you're telling me like two-thirds of these NBA teams wouldn't be better if Steven Adams was in the middle, moving everybody around? You're telling me the Hawks wouldn't be better without with Steven Adams in there? Um, so that's all. That's that's why I lashed out at Clint. I'm sorry. Seems like a great guy. I actually think that's a good take. I think that if you took Steven Adams and put him on the Bulls, the Hawks, or the Raptors, all three teams would be better. Yeah. If you there was one. There was one where it was like DeAndre Hunter was ranked and Clint Capella was ranked and Steven Adams and Dylan Brooks weren't ranked. And I'm like, you don't think the Hawks, you think the Hawks would be under 500 if they had Dylan Brooks and Steven Adams and not DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella? That might be my hot take. That's my, that's my homer take. I think bad. the Hawks would be way better if, if they had those guys. But um, let's, uh, let's wrap this up with this. Since I know you're a man who values uh, the art of the big man, who values a, a solid post-up game, uh, do you keep a current like a uh, little scratch sheet where you have your top post players in the NBA ranked? And I, I'm not, I don't mean actually, I don't mean post players. I mean, players with the best post moves. I want to talk guys who actually have the moves. And honestly, I don't care if you even finish. You can miss the layup as long as the post move looks right. Okay. Who's who do who's your who's your hierarchy right now of best back to the basket? I might give you an up and under pump fake. Uh, I'm gonna I don't want to lay up either. Like DeRozan, like oh he's a good post player. Man, he goes to that jump shot too much. I'm giving bonus points sure. for if you get the guy in the air and then you go up and under Hakeem Olajuwon style for the layup. Okay, Jokic and Embiid. Not even fair, really. Undeniably yeah. dominant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. like, they put up crazy numbers. They can score on every, anybody, yeah. and they have moves that weren't invented before they just decided to do them when they're freestyling. Those guys are incredible. I think it's yeah. awesome that Luka Doncic is in the MVP conversation and that, as a guard, considered the point guard on his team. He's one of the best post scorers in the league. 
He just mashes on anybody who's smaller than him, which is basically anybody. He's got yeah. two moves down there. He spins baseline, but if that one's not there, fade away. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, I love that. Shen Goon, to me, is the number one guy to watch. Oh, yeah. Very much Luis Scola-ish, I think, on the post, the way he spins, but he seems a little bit stronger to me, whereas Scola maybe had a little bit more finesse. He's my number one favorite guy to watch post up because it feels like that's his go-to. I other think, players are doing other stuff. I think Shingun gets a bonus in these rankings because something about just he's not obviously as good as the other ones. Like Jokic is just so much better than everyone and and bigger. And like Embiid obviously has he, he's I don't know. I don't know why I'm penalizing guys for being really good, but I am arbitrarily. And the fact that Shingun has to have this. Like if Shingun doesn't have these moves, he's got nothing. Like if if you told Embiid he couldn't back a guy down, he's still gonna average thirty points. I'm pretty sure. Like he's he's not gonna have a problem. But Shingun lives on this, needs it. He has to have that craft uh, to to basically uh, you know be effective. Yeah, the post game and the spins and the fakes and the hooks and the scoops. It's essential to Shingun. He absolutely needs it. He's great to watch. He he's just so creative and like he very lower half heavy. I don't know another way to say it, but he's got thick tree trunk legs. And I just think he moves like a ballerina down there sometimes. That's awesome to watch. Another guy who plays completely different than him, who I think is sweet to watch in the post is Bobby Portis. And he's just all right. Big old ass. Going to back you down. (laughs) Yeah. Knock you, knock you, and then turn and shoot a jump hook. Portis is nasty in the post. Yeah. Who, Who do you have any least favorite ones? How about like I, you post up and I hate it. I don't enjoy what you're doing down there. It's complicated for me because Nikola Vucevic <laughs> posts up quite a bit. If you watch the Bulls broadcasts, Stacey King would have him posting up even more. Oh, sure. It's funny to me. Uh, I recently saw that Vucevic takes the second most hook shots of anybody in the NBA per game behind only DeAndre Ayton, but he shoots like 20% better on hook shots than Ayton. So to me, Vucevic has the best hook shot in the NBA. I love the hook shot. I think more players should shoot it, but I'm also like, it's not the best move for the Bulls to be posted up Vooch every single time down there. Yeah. Yeah. That's too, that's too bad. It's a real catch 22. <laughs> yeah. Well, Trey, I uh, thank you for your time. Always a pleasure uh, talking ball with you. And uh, I hope one of these teams does something. I mean, again, I got no skin in the game other than as a Grizzlies fan, I would take numerous Raptors on my team as, as, as we make a push. As far as Bulls and Hawks, eh, I think I'm good. Um, but anyway, uh, I look forward to the next time you come on. Uh, always a pleasure. Yeah, it'll be fun to talk again. And one of these three teams will make a move. If we That's spend the claim. next five weeks talking about the Raptors, Hawks, and Bulls, and they all decide to hold, not good. Yeah. Thanks, Trey. All right, thanks to Trey for coming on. Make sure you are listening to No Dunks. As always, if you want to support our show, do that at patreon.com. Join our Slack channel. Get some exclusive bonus content. Patreon.com slash Fast Break Breakfast. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to the Fast Break Breakfast YouTube channel. Also, the Grits and Grinds Memphis Grizzlies podcast channel. Uh, doing so really helps us out. Don't miss that Grizzlies watch party slash fast break breakfast meetup next Friday, January 20th at Nobles Beer Hall. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing.
Yeah, never apologize for being TNG. Fast break, break, man. You understand? Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.